0: Innovation is in our veins, soon the whole world will know our names, sharing our knowledge and freedom reign, we give it for the people, you know it's our way, setting foundations is part of the dream, it doesn't matter if you're new to the game, listen up now cause we all gon' say, "Uh, elevate, 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 higher, elevate, 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 higher, we gon' rise up. Shine. work through adversity stay on the grind. elevate elevate this is our time elevate
1: elevate welcome to the elevate podcast everyone it's so great to see all of you one more time today we have the pleasure of having morgan ring rose on with us to talk some design what's like building a creative business and just kind of figure out how she became so stinking successful so thank you so much for joining the podcast we're super Thanks excited to have me. you on no problem no problem so how how's covid been for you how's things going in terms of the business side of it and yeah, uh, navigating it.
0: So from our, uh, from our first lockdown, um, I actually had to put my business on hold for five months, five months, cause I have two small children, elementary aged kids, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um, so I had to put the business on holds, which was really hard after so many years of building up. And like, once I really started getting momentum, especially with my Instagram to go, I, I think I maybe posted four times over those five months, it just, I, uh, I really, I really struggled, but, um, fortunately when things started opening back up in my province, we, I was able to get back into it. Kids went back to school and I have never gone so hard with my business, I think. Uh, and I think that just taking that time off, um, which wasn't my favorite, it really gave me time to do a reset and like rethink maybe a lot of my business practices, my prices, how I wanted to approach things. And kind of like set a better standard for myself as a business.
1: Mm, That makes a lot of sense. So what was that process like? So did you have a point kind of where you're just like, I I need to turn this thing right on and did you end up having a plan involved or how did that go? Uh,
0: So I've never had a business plan before, which my mother's owned so many businesses. It drives her absolutely crazy that I'm just like, I just fly by the seat of my pants, which is what my whole family says about me. But, um, a lot of my traffic, like, and for my business, all of my clients came from Instagram and where I wasn't posting on Instagram, I wasn't getting those clients. And I'm like, I need like, this is not like, what, what if Instagram goes down? What am I going to do? Like, how am I going to get business? So I really sat down and looked at my business as a whole. I'm like, okay, I have a website. My website is garbage because I spend so much time doing other people's websites that I just don't have time for my own. I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to decide on my rates. I need to decide what's included in those rates. And how am I gonna structure myself as a service? Cause that's one thing that I like to talk about on social media is that I am giving you a web design but I'm also giving you a service. I mean, like, what does my service look like? How am I gonna tell people that I am more worth the time than hiring a firm? And I'm like, okay, so what is like, what's a firm? What's me? How am I gonna pull elements? Like, how am I gonna make myself worthwhile to look at from a business. So I really had to, like, I knew that my, that my abilities are great. I can, I can do really, really good work, but how am I going to show people that work? How am I going to show people that I can be taken seriously? And that, that was like a lot of my focus, especially over the summer, like, okay, I'm going to relaunch, I'm going to come back, But like, how am I going to come back more legitimate, more authentic and less, less of a social media influencer and more of like a, like an actual business person, like that can do things other than post mm-hmm. online.
1: That's pretty incredible. And because it, I love how kind of your social falling kind of, kind of were able to kind of spring you over into that. And, mm-hmm. um, cause that's actually how I came, came across you. And this is the craziest part is there's a guy I follow who I think is over in Europe. And I found you through him. I was like, this guy's following her. How who is not it? is it Martin? Oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, I see. I, I'll have to pull it up. Okay. Uh, but, I, feel, I uh, feel
0: like I know who it is already. <laughs> right.
1: I think I might I'll do a quick little search here. Okay. Um, uh,
0: it is, there's, there's not there's, a lot of, like, hiring Hars- guys.
1: partial Designer. So he's, like, super into, like, he kind of creates a lot of different uh, uh, types of different design work for mobile UI. Okay. Um And so he follows, like... He, He's, he got about 35,000 followers himself. And so I kind of, I've been following him for a couple of years. And then Mm -hmm. I just kind of, I think you were suggested because I was following him. And then I saw that he was following you and I was like, oh yeah, she's doing some good work. And then I was like, oh my gosh, she's in Nova Scotia. (laughs) (laughs) This is crazy. So that's kind of how I started following you. Yeah. Um, So what was it like trying to translate kind of the, at least the leverage you built on the Instagram as a platform? your uh, business?
0: Instagram is really difficult, I mm-hmm. think, especially as a business, especially as a, as a freelancer, that's trying to look like a business and not like, uh and not like, like an influencer. It was, I think that I needed to I had to really sit down because like I, my Instagram has gone through so many phases because at first it was personal Instagram, then it was a fitness Instagram. And then I was like, oh, then I was like documenting my coding journey, which is how the, the, the followers started coming in because I don't think there is a stronger, more supportive community on Instagram than the tech community, especially exactly. women in tech. Um, and it just, it, it started to snowball. And then like, I'll be honest with you, my least engaged posts are posts that I post of my work. Like (laughs) like anytime I post, like, oh, I finished this project. Here's the project. Uh, nothing. It just chirps. Mm -hmm. Just (laughs) absolute chirps. But then I post a picture of my face of the captions are really good. Um, but building my business online was it I really like I had to find the sweet spot and I really had to stay in it. Because if I venture away from what my audience is used to, they're they're gone. I'm losing 70 a day. Like they're like, Who is this lady? We don't know her anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh Again, like, that's why I'm like, I need to steer away from Instagram. Like I need to get clients other ways. Cause this is it. I don't think Instagram's really sustainable.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey. Um, yeah, no, I think that's very good to know. I think for myself as someone who's personally been trying to start making more of a concerted effort in different social channels, I've definitely been seeing a lot of, um, I found Instagram to be very uh, wish-washy in a lot of ways. Uh, like, it's kind of crazy. Like I had one post that, you know, didn't have, didn't, I wasn't speaking in it at all. Didn't show my face once, but it ended up getting, you know, over 3,500 likes, 60,000 views. Uh, and I was like, why? Like I put no effort into this piece of content. Right, why? And it just happened. Like-
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I always like, I look at some of my posts. I'm like, why, why was this the post? Like I put so much effort into stuff and then for mm-hmm. nothing. For absolute nothing right it's uh and the algorithms always changing and I um I get shadow banned a lot like a lot a lot really yeah I get sh- I get shadow banned all the time all the time and I'm like I don't understand I don't understand why I got shadow banned a lot um like those few posts that I made over COVID I got shadow banned because I said COVID like if you said COVID or pandemic they like They censored you. Also, um, the states, the states were, with the election, they were being censored. So no, like, the hashtags were all being deleted and stuff like that. But then I, where most of my audience is in America, I was shadow banned. Like, my hashtags were shadow banned because my primary audience is American. And I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm thinking about businesses that actually make, like, their money Mm -hmm. um, from Instagram. And I'm, like, those poor businesses are, they, they're, you can't operate and I'm like that's not a way to run a business like technology is so tricky and mm-hmm. i feel like i i'm kind of switching my instagram like it's very design based but it, and it needs to be more business i need to tell people like yeah, have a plan b because instagram is not going to save you like right. when when politics get involved and all of a sudden your business is shut down online <laughs> like <laughs> that's it's absolutely crazy to me
1: so it- I I hear a lot of people uh, talk about shadow banning and this is actually the first time I ever talked to a designer who's felt like they were shadow banned. Uh, I mainly kind of hear it in the political circles of political channels, Uh, but for yourself, like how do you know you've been shadow banned?
0: Um, So to find if you're shadow banned, so first my engagement, terrible. Um, When you go in your analytics under a post, Mm -hmm. if you're a business or a creator, um, it tells you like where your traffic comes from and primarily my traffic comes from hashtags, like up to tens of thousands of people come from hashtags. My hashtags were zero. They wasn't even showing up in my, and like, in my analytics, like hashtags weren't even there. But in other ways, if you click into your hashtags, you should be able to see your post. None of my posts were showing up in the hashtags I was using. Oh, baby. so I'm like, okay, great. Well, this is fine. Um, I do believe I, I do use a lot of personal aspects to my Instagram. Like I do speak out on political issues that I feel educated enough to speak on. Uh, and maybe I'm being targeted that way. I've never used a hashtag that was political, but maybe I—I I don't know. I was thinking about something the other day, and I got an ad for it. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they were <laughs> like, if "They're like, oh, we know that she has a stance on politics, even though she's Canadian, but she's in too far into America. We gotta, we gotta put a cap on her for like <laughs> two weeks."
1: <laughs> Second business interests, so. That's that is wild. Um, Yeah, it's it's kind of it is a very slippery slope, right? Absolutely. Survival of the fittest. And so I'll, it really is. And that's kind of like the big thing I'm a huge proponent of is obviously if you can gain an, any type of following on a social platform, that's fantastic. Like for right now, kind of my I'm focusing my business mainly at trying to uh, hit LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where a lot of my business comes in. Um, but I found that I'm starting to probably in the new year going to start shifting. Trying to make sure I can take whatever leverage I've had on those platforms, and trying to actually own the list, own uh, the the audience. So, as you said, what doesn't have like you're not putting your fate into another person's hands mm-hmm. with what happens with your business.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a- do you like,
1: so do you feel like you've started kind of seeing any headway in terms of trying to really uh, garner an audience that's that uh, you're in more control of, or?
0: Uh, yeah, actually just the last three months, I don't know what kind of energy I've been putting into the universe, but, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this website, it's called alignable. Um, um it is like, it's LinkedIn, but for small businesses, it's like, a I can't even really, I don't really even understand it. I signed up mm-hmm. for it a couple of years ago, never did anything on it. I did put a profile picture, a brief description of the work I was doing at the time in some portfolio. This, Amazing client came from Alignable. She messaged me on this app. She's like, hey, I need a web designer. Um, she's like, I need someone to do this, this, and this. And uh, that ended up being like, that was my golden ticket. She uh, She's a huge wedding designer in Texas. Her, wedding, her previous designer uh, charged her like $10,000 and gave her a $30 WordPress theme. Didn't even customize it. Charged her money for stuff she never got. And then she still put faith in me to give her a brand new website. And she's left reviews. She found every single place of my social media that she could leave a review and left a review. She's throwing clients at me. And this is all because I like, and now I'm getting clients on LinkedIn. It's just, I think that having yourself in other places, like I have a website now, people can find me, they can search me, they find me on this alignable app, which I think you should be on. Uh, They find me on LinkedIn, they word of mouth. And I think that like, once you become someone that people like actually respect, it's less of social media now. And it's more of, I'm just getting emails and I don't know how that switched over, but having one good client that I said, it's going to be $3,000. And they're like, yeah, no problem. And then that was like the turning point for me. I'm like, someone important is going to pay me my rates and they're telling everyone about me. So now I'm just, I don't know what to do with myself.
1: You're going to be rich straight yeah. up.
0: I mean, yeah,
1: <laughs> let's go. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so I guess we'll kind of, like I do have an interesting question in terms of when it comes to your rates and your pricing. So how do you like price yourself? How do you know what to, how much to charge?
0: Ugh, it's, a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky slope. I um cause I go and I look at other designers um, that are my, that are my level. We do different work, but we're at the same level. They charge, um, for an example, there's a, there's a group of designers that I love. I love their work. Um, it's not for me, but I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, they charge $6,000 for a starter website to me. I'm like, okay, so like, what's your overhead? Like they, they're a company, like they have to have overhead, like their prices must reflect that. But then I think for myself, I am a individual. I have no overhead. I, um, I know how many hours I work, but I also know that my, what my hourly rate is. And then it just kind of came down to being like, what rate am I morally comfortable charging? So I look at other people's rates. I'm like, that's, that's gross like some people have like a sit down rate of $10,000. I'm like, for what? Like for what? I know what I'm capable of doing in a short amount of time. So people want a website, I work with Squarespace. I tell them you have two weeks, our design process is two weeks. You will have a full website by the end of those two weeks. Um, so I know what, how much time I'm gonna spend every day. I know the service that I'm gonna provide once the website's done. And it really just came down to me like, okay, so this is my full service package what price am I comfortable charging? Cause like, I can always tell, like, you know, when you look at something, you're like, that's too expensive or that's too cheap. I'm like, what is, what is my middle ground? Like, what do I look at? And I'm like, I'm happy with this rate. And so for me, it really was led by my moral compass, but also like, I'm not going to, I would never charge someone $7,000 for a website. That's crazy to me. But I'm also like, I know that I've had clients that I've that I've done a full website for a thousand dollars, and then they've completely taken advantage of me. Mm. And I'm like, so like your price needs to reflect. I don't I don't know what it is. It's the psychology of it. I've had a client for eight hundred dollars that treated me like garbage, and then I've had a client for three thousand dollars, like treat me like I was the best thing in the absolute world. And I think it really does come down to price. Like the way you price yourself kind of shows how people are going to respect you in your service. Mm-hmm. But really, it was a lot of like tinkering. But I feel like the prices I'm at right now will probably never change. I am very content with them because when I take away my, like what I need to live out of those prices, I'm like, okay, that's, that's a good salary for me. That's a perfect salary. Um, it, it pays for my work. I stay with my clients. They're happy with me. No one's had an issue. I'm just going to stay here now.
1: Right. That's, I think that's totally fair. And it's, it's kind of, it's, it's funny when it comes to creatives, I find that we really struggle a lot with like, we can, we negotiate against ourselves a lot of times. Cause like, we always are, we're just like, we usually, we always devalue ourselves uh, most of the time until we can really take an, you know, a unobjective look at our work, what we're providing to people. And then you're just like, okay, I'm feeling good. I can charge that. Absolutely.
0: I like to do a lot of comparing with other people, which I find Mm. in the creative industry gets really difficult. Because I, especially with web design, I find that um, people price themselves based on ignorance and like not ignorance of them. They know what they're charging, but the ignorance of people that don't know how to do web is they have no idea what they're really paying for. Uh, so they're paying all this money because they're like, well, you're a professional, you know? And then it's like, and then those designers are usually laugh and they're like, well, this person paid me all this money. Was my time worth it? Absolutely not.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: just looking at my client that paid $10,000 for that website, that website was disgusting. And like, I know who this designer is and I will publicly call them out eventually. But like it price doesn't really always determine work, I don't think, but I have a stunning portfolio and I'm like, this is my portfolio. These are my reviews from those clients. This is my rate. And no one has, no one has batted an eyelash at this point. So I think if your portfolio speaks to your price, you're fine.
1: Mm, I think it's totally fair. I think, um, so you said at this point, like, you kind of focus a lot more on Squarespace and kind of working with Squarespace. What kind of led you to that point?
0: I uh, actually made a post about this recently. I was working with WordPress. I found that WordPress led a lot of my clients to come back for maintenance, um, questions, mm. help. Can you do this? And I don't like, personally, I don't like revisiting work. I don't I don't like being rehired because um, I don't like charging for it. I don't like when people pay me a fee and then they have to hire me back and I don't like charging them more money. I don't like that. But also at the same time it was taking up my time so I needed to charge them. But I find what the difference is that with Squarespace, it's all very user friendly cause it's all, uh, all the editing is front is facing. So they go on, they go onto the page, they want to edit text, they click on the text and they edit it. There's no going into the back end, changing the text, saving it, troubleshooting it. I just found that the service I was like, the, my, my target client avatar, is a business that they they need someone to do the design but they want to have full control of that design like i want to hand over a website and them feel confident and like like they're managing their website i like when i hand some over i do a screen share where i record going through the full website and like every and i send it to them they have a hands-on tutorial now they never need to call me back and like i have the satisfaction of being like i have given them this confidence in their website And they run it perfectly. I never have to charge them more money unless they want something additional done. And like that's kind of Squarespace gives me that service to give to my clients.
1: Mm. So for yourself, when it comes to working with Squarespace, do you find that you kind of just take a uh, a pre-existing template and manipulate it for your clients? Or do you actually do a lot of like hand coding yourself?
0: I do the hand coding. So I once you get into more developing of Squarespace, so there is customizing Squarespace, which is not what I, it's what I started with, which is how I got familiar with Squarespace, but I use um, a Brian theme. So what I do is I get the theme because I know all of the, I know how to target the body of this. Like I know all the codes. Um, So I, I select that theme, I delete every single page, and then I go in and I rewrite all of the design aspects. And then I build, I, I, I'm i the kind of person, I, I write it all down. So like I have a notebook of designs and then I take those designs and then I break it into blocks on Squarespace and then I custom edit those blocks with CSS. So like I'm not building the framework, I am taking a pre-existing template, but that template I'm using for the integrations and like it takes... It takes kind of aspect off so all i'm doing is front-end design instead of the back-end design so squarespace does the back end for me and then i do the front end which is probably another reason why my prices are what they are i would assume that other designers their prices could be higher because maybe they are developing a whole theme from scratch whereas i'm taking i'm taking the service they've already provided me and i'm just making it look completely different every website i make is it's different from all the other ones no websites are the same no fonts are the same so I'm able to give that without having to, you know, dangle the price tag of I also have to build this from the back end.
1: Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. So we kinda, we got into a little bit uh, earlier, but like, what was your like? Where did you come from? Like, what was your background? How did you end up in this life and uh, doing all this amazing work for people?
0: Um. So I started when I was. Do you remember Pixo websites? Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is where this whole thing happened. As I remember, I was uh, so cool with my Pixel website. I do like my little HTML and like make things different. Um, and then I started uh, getting into iframe. So with iframe, I was coding gamer profiles. So I would like custom code a profile, iframe, attach it in, and they would send me virtual money for the games I was playing. And like, I like I did feel super cool that I could do that, but also it was easy for me, like learning learning a language like French and not easy for me, but learning a coding language is very easy. And it was something that I excelled at, but unfortunately I went to, you probably know where this is. I went to new Germany. So like, so sure. So I I was in the South shore. And, um, and that just wasn't something like, I don't know where I wasn't like a star child or something. Like they didn't really pay a lot of attention to my hobbies. And so I was like, oh, when I graduated, I went to NSCC. and just like, I just, I got to go somewhere. I got to do something. But I still kept coding on the side, like for fun, like as a personal thing. And then it wasn't until I was like in my twenties when I started doing it like for money and people are like, oh, you're so good. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. no, <laughs> no. And then it's just like, oh yeah, you're really good. And then I started getting a following and everyone's like, oh, Morgan, you're so good at this. I'm like, shut up. No, but yes, they were right. I am good at it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's amazing. That's actually a pretty cool background of kind of how you came into it. I I had somewhat of a weirdly similar uh, where I just kind of like I grew up just messing around different types of creative programs, Mm. uh, which kind of led me into this life at various points. But yeah, I was going through like my old my old eighth grade yearbook. And, you know, as my future occupation, I said I wanted to be an oil engineer uh, came far from that. So, uh, and glad I didn't go down that path considering where we're at in 2020 now with technology. So, uh, it's, it's funny how things kind of just change over time. And, uh, but then you start kind of coming into your own some things. It's exciting.
0: Yeah. My, uh, actually my nine-year-old, she taught herself animation. So last year the family got together and we bought her an iPad pro. It's like, I'm like, I, as coming, how I came into my career, I already see in her what no one was able to see in me. And so we bought her like the secondhand iPad Pro and everything. And now she animates full short clips. She'll record conversations that our family's having, like when like we're having banter or something. And then she'll mm-hmm. animate the scene and then show it to us. She's making movies of our family. And I'm like, she's yes. nine. She's That's nine crazy. and she's making full animations. And I'm like, it's, you gotta, and like sometimes kids have hobbies that are gonna make them a lot of money. I'm like, Peyton, you're probably not even gonna have to go to school. Just graduate and just go be good at something
1: seriously yeah it's uh that's actually a conversation uh my wife and i have a lot too with whenever we have our future kids it's depending what they want to do obviously but like i'm a huge proponent of like if you really don't need to go to school like university don't do it i'm in so
0: much debt for what for no reason
1: exactly right so much
0: debt for nothing
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because you you did the ncc i did the nascad thing oh no i went
0: to St. vincent Oh, I the did Mount. And then I went to Mount Saint Vincent for psychology. <laughs> like, oh literally that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's hilarious. That's actually uh, my wife just applied to the master psychology program at the Mount. So nice. that's that's a fun full circle. Uh, I loved. But-
0: I loved it. I didn't even. I didn't. I was wanted to be a teacher, so I was taking a um, modern language. But I love the psychology program there. It was. It's so great. And I'm like, okay. Well, they're like, well, your major has changed based on your courses. I'm like. God. Okay.
1: Right. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So what well, kind of, I wanted to kind of end with this question um, is cause it's a fun one. You don't have to answer if you don't want to, uh, but what was kind of the most uncomfortable client conversation you've had to have?
0: <laughs> which one, which one I I'm going through one um, right now, which I will tell you about in private. Cause I think you'll really enjoy it. Um okay. oh god, there's been there's been a couple. Um, because my moral compass is very strong. Mm. Um but I get the most recent one would be that I had a client that hired me. And usually when you hire a creative person, you hire them on their style, right? Everyone has a different style, you have them on their style. Um, and then I asked my clients to give me inspiration, like go on Pinterest, find, find stuff you like, find color palettes, find, find something that speaks to you, give it to me. And then I take that and I, so I can see what they're into. And then I make something my own. I make it my, I make a fresh design out of what they want. So I didn't, I've never explained, I've never explained about copyright to somebody before because I've never had to, because people mm. want a separate website. Um, And then I, and then I got to the point where I delivered a full website and they're like, well, I don't like it. I want it to look like this. I'm like, oh, well, I can't make it look like this is someone's website. They're like, yeah, we'll make it as close as possible. I'm like, oh, uh, and then I had to, I had to release the contract. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I can't, uh, so that is really not going well for me still at this point. Oh No, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it's so uncomfortable. Like letting a client go because you don't, because it's not, it's not them it's it, the work no longer, the integrity of the work is gone. And I'm like, okay, I've never had to like break up with a client. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so uncomfortable. Cause like, she's a nice person. I want to be a nice person. I don't want anyone to feel like slighted, but then at the same time, you always like, how are they going to react? So I don't like confrontation. I always like right. do right. My very best to avoid confrontation. And then it happens. And I'm just like, I don't, I'm a puddle. I don't know what's happening anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, and it's still to this day, I'm still very uncomfortable and I'm really hoping that this will go away, but Mm. so uncomfortable copyright is a very uncomfortable thing when it comes to creatives because people like what they like and they want you to make it for them but i'm like at the same time it's like you can only copy something so much before you're going to get sued and when i'm i'm a bigger i'm a bigger online influence someone's website i could copy it and they could probably see it and then all of a sudden i'm in trouble and for what the client's not going to be in trouble it's going to be me (laughs)
1: Right. Well, I think this is actually that actually leads to a different question, which I think is actually would be a very educational question for those who don't fully know the space is what do you find is the difference between if you're fully copying something versus you're just kind of taking aspects of it and just making it your own?
0: I had a conversation with one of my Instagram friends about this. I'm actually going to, I'm going to give you a demonstration of how I, I do this. So I have this notebook so, grid paper, whatever. People send me their aspects, and if the if the different inspirations are very different, like typically, if people send you a few examples, you can see what the what the reoccurring theme is that they're into. Um, and so, unless I need to like ask them, like like what exactly is it that is like bringing you in, like what aspect of this website do you like? Um, like for some people, it's even like having elongated buttons or like having fonts spread out or like not having a big banner image and having like little images. Like it's things like that. Um, and then I take them and I do think, I, I write them out like this. I make mm. different, like different copies. And then I never put in, like I never, when I'm like taking ideas, I'll write them out and I never put in a color, I never put in a picture. I never take a defining feature from that design because I wanna forget. And then I wanna take that and be like, okay, how am I gonna make this my own? How is this gonna be different? And so I will look at those inspirations and then I will kind of pick, I'll pick them apart, I'll deconstruct them and then I'll make something completely different. Being able to see it written out and then see it on the screen, I will be able to go through and be like, that's, that's too close. And then I will change things around. Like, how can I reformat this that it looks different? Cause I don't, I don't want aspects of my designs to match somebody else's. Like no, no mm-hmm. design is, is, is inherently unique like every idea came from somewhere, but I want my ideas to be at least be different than the idea that gave life to it.
1: Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: It's it can be difficult. And like I know like a lot of practice is copying, but then it mm-hmm. has to get to a point where you have to kind of like be satisfied with your own skills and be like, okay, how am I gonna how am I gonna make this my own? But like not lose what they like.
1: Right. Someone's gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just he's lonely he's like we should be having a nap right now
1: (laughs) priority time all right i'm sorry one more question i swear and we done um so i think i mean if so at the end of the day um i think you made a good point in terms of when people like i want to be just like that i mean we even see that in the uh the vlogging universe where you had people like um, Casey, Casey Neistat, Gary Vee. They did their vlogs in a very specific way. And now everyone's <laughs> vlogs kind of look like that now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I think that it, it is, takes a lot of talent for a designer to kind of take it and be like, yeah, we're going to make that its own thing. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so I can definitely um, I hear you on that. I'll say that much. So
0: <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing with all art. Like, uh, like I have quite a few tattoos and I go in and I try to make sure that they're different, but like tattoo artists don't wanna, you don't, You bring in someone else's tattoo and they're like, well, we're not gonna make this for you. It already belongs to somebody. It's, and it's the same with all kinds of art. Like there's, there's practicing and like learning a style and then there's just complete copying. Like, mm-hmm. and that's the same with vlogs. Like I've seen vlogs and like, oh, I would love to make that. And it's like, okay, but I can make a vlog that looks like someone else's, but it's not mine. And then you're always nervous that someone's going to see it and call you out on it. Right. So like, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's, it's definitely, I I would prefer to have the challenge of making something my own than the ease of just copying someone else's.
1: Right. That makes a lot of sense. And there you go. You hear it for all the homies out there. (laughs) Bam. Like you're, you do work with Morgan, you will get something unique. So
0: that's literally my whole business premise is like, you want something, you want something unique, come to, I'll give you one of a kind and then I'll help you manage it forever.
1: There you go. It's perfect. It works out for everybody. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know it's been a busy day for you and, uh, but I'm grateful that you were able to carve out some time for the old elevate podcast. And, uh, so thankful that you uh, took some time out.
0: Thanks thank for you for having me. I get, uh, I get lonely. It's nice to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there you go. Awesome. Well, have yourself a good day. Thanks. You too. We are very grateful to Morgan that she took the time out of her very busy schedule to talk to us about what it's like to run a creative business and run it successfully. So we really wish her success on in her future. And we're very grateful that you, the listeners, took time out to listen to another episode. We're very grateful to you as well. So we really hope that you have a great day, great night, great morning. However you listen to this, we hope you have a good one. We're out.